Welcome to Bjork Club. Welcome back to Bjork Club. Bjork Club. Welcome. <laughs> this is our fourth episode. It is indeed. Yeah, exciting times. Surprised we got this far. So today we are covering uh, Bjork's fourth album, Vespertine, from 2001. That's the year I was born. Crazy. I think I think it was earlier in the year it was released. So this, so the next album will be the first one that is younger than me. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Right. Should we start off with the making of the album? Please continue. So she made it during the filming of Dancer in the Dark. Really? So whilst... Okay. So we we haven't actually yeah. discussed Dancer in the Dark. Should we Should we give a little? It was It was the last one Trier film. Who's a Danish director. Director, and he had asked her to make the soundtrack, and then he asked her to be the main character in the film. And what? Whilst... Have you seen the film? No. We should probably watch it at some point for the pod. Yeah, but in the day, it's meant to be good. She said that she would make Selma songs, which is the film's vocalized soundtrack, and then when she went home from work, she would make this album. So this was like, so her, was like project. her her day job and her, her. passion projects. Yeah, her her night job. Um, and the working title was called Domestica because it, she used a lot of like everyday noises. So the shuffling of cards or, or steps or just things from around the house. Like Fiona Apple vibes. Yeah. And she calls it her... Playing like cat's bones. (laughs) (laughs) She calls it her laptop album because did you in school, did you have like the Sibelius software? No. Oh, like in like music, did you? Sorry, I don't go to an, like an arts college. <laughs> in music, did you have like a software where you could create like a score, a we piece had, of like, music? Instruments. We had like drums. Did, did you never have a computer thing where you can Maybe... write Fair sheets of music? I'm a twenty-one-year-old man. My school <laughs> days are long behind me. Okay. I don't remember. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe <laughs> she used that software, which was the same software that was at my school. Uh, and it's her laptop album, and she also tried to make sounds that wouldn't be compromised if the song was being downloaded off the internet, because this was sort of the first album where people would probably stream the Napster songs. And, Napster, and was that later? No, it, she said Napster, and Groove Shark, do you remember Groove Shark? Can, when you I would, don't, like, what is Groove Illegally Shark? download an MP3 song. No. I would do that. Um... And so she would use sounds that wouldn't be compromised. So harp, uh, a music box, and also like a clavichord, which is like an old piano. And she. So what what does the title Vespertine mean? Vespertine. I don't like. I don't think Domestica would fit. I don't like Domestica. So Vespertine means like of the evening. So something happening in the evening. Okay, that. And the name change came about because she got in a new relationship with someone called Matthew Barney, who she was with for a long time. And this was the album changed from being about more domestic things to being about sex. Nice about their relationship. So, what do you think of? I have some feelings about the album as a whole. What What are your general vibes? I thought it felt like quite a. You know how post a track listing hope. You know how debut and post felt like sibling albums. I kind of feel like that with with, but with, homogenic, with homogenic. Yes, but I think whereas because homogenic, we as we discussed. Last week, I'm saying in air quotes, it was like <laughs> sort of a mixture of like big sort of string moments mm. and then also like a more electronic side. And this is like 
much more focus on the electronics side and more kind of quiet songs. And the strings are still there on some of them, but more toned down. It's like summer, winter. And this is the winter one. It's like folklore evermore. <laughs> I won't go that far. <laughs> Which is um... summer, winter. But then I thought People Homogenic said... was wintry. People... Well, so she, she said that this is like her winter album. That's so interesting. Sort of frosty. Oh, yeah, true, actually. Uh, and I liked her... Ability to mix electronic sounds with stuff she made at home and classical instruments. Some bells on some of the songs. I like the bells. bells. She said it's all about micro beats, this one. Apparently, there would be like 30 or 40 different beats that would go into one song. And she called it like a huge embroidery piece. And she, there was an interview she did a couple of years ago where she complained that the male producers got all the credit when she probably did about 80% of the production herself. So, I like this album. Mm. I I think I don't know if I like it as much as Homogenic yet. It might be too soon to say. I think it's probably the album that we've covered so far that I feel the most mixed about. Really? Yes. I think it's the one I like the most. I think there are songs. There are some really amazing songs on it. There are a handful that I like a lot. There are a Mm. few that I think are good, and there are also at least three. That I don't like that much. I I think parts of this album, and there are songs that have like sort of unique musical moments, and they stand out on their own. There are a few that blend together. I felt the and same. And at points with there are a, a few though. that I felt the same in with sequence hour. are kind of the same. Album. The first listen through, I was listening to a song which I'll, I'll address when we get to it, and then I didn't. I was just kind of zoned out, and then I looked at my phone, and like a song and a half had passed, and I hadn't even noticed. I thought it was the same song. I felt the same thing though with all her previous albums, where some there were some. But which on on were, post still or on debut? I feel like they all kind of stood on their own. Maybe debut there actually. Were some but out, on post like, debut, for example, the whole aeroplane come to me one day part. It just all blurred together. I find that with most albums. Fair enough. After the halfway point, there's just a couple songs that blur. And then it's the final two tracks. And it, it was at that at that point in this yeah. album for me. Well, should we get into the well, We can get into it. Should songs? we start with track one? So, Hidden Place. Let's go to a hidden place. It gave me uh, quite Hunter vibes. It seems... Well, because well, it's track one. Or just the vibe of the song. Well, the vibe of the song and the fact that it was track one. I like it's like it starts off this sort of like electronic pulsing beat and then there's these ethereal backing vocals Mm. i said that it feels kind of like the intersection of everything she's ever done before but also new intersection of what what has she done before how do you describe that music i really liked on this song the transition to the chorus and how it sounds like a choir it sounds very choral this song it's not a choir. I like it. I like it too. It's, all her album openers tend to be quite good. Yeah, she's pretty good with album openers and closers. Yeah, except headphones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this song was actually sampled by Scissor. Oh, is it this one? On her recent album, SOS. On the opening track, no, the closing track. It's the bit, you know, before... I haven't It's towards to song. the end. No, you've heard Hidden Place, though. I'm going to say which bit she sounds. Oh, oh, okay. It's the bit near... It's about two-thirds of the way through the song, and it goes like... Ooh, 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 ooh. 
as that. Oh yeah, I I recognise <laughs> I haven't listened to that album yet. I listened to Kill Bill. It's good. a good album. I'm, I don't know if you're a big Scissors fan, are you? So. I'm not a fan of Scissors. No. That song is really good. Bjork posted it on her story. She always posts uh, any remix or use of her work. Love that. She seems to encourage it, I think. Um, yeah, overall, I like this. I don't know if I prefer it to Hunter. I don't prefer it to Hunter. No. But I do like it. I think the, the, it has a really good chorus. And I think it sets the wintry tone for the album. It seems quite frosty and... Oh, I, I don't know. See, I didn't get the wintry... On Frosty, I can get... The song Frosty, I get the wintry vibes. And maybe a couple others. But overall, that one didn't come through for me. So no, I didn't get that. Mm, okay. Should we talk about what the song is about? Because I, I have a few ideas. Well, I thought it was about... You go, hang on. I think oh. it's about like a relationship. Yeah. Kind of like an intimate moment between the two of you. And that's the hidden place. But then also maybe about... You know, Björk has a well-documented aversion to the press and paparazzi. Mm. So I kind of thought, let's go to a hidden place could literally mean let's go where there aren't any cameras. Mm. I think it's more in the context of the relationship. But I think things can have more than one meaning. No, it can. But I think that's what she probably wrote it about. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I also, I, I like good. when she says, um, she does this whole bit about how this man has like hair that he hides in. And she's like, I will draw, I will hide in the hair of him. Yeah, she she hides in a lot of places. <laughs> She's in like that crawling into like Marge Simpson's beehive. <laughs> okay, should so we that was move on to the next one then? Cocoon. Yes, cocoon. I like this one. I it g- gave me a lo-fi feeling, especially at the beginning. Yeah, it's quiet and intimate, a bit electronics, kind of like possibly maybe or unravel mm, that yeah. kind of vibe. Um, it's and... very soothing. I found. Yeah, it's quite relaxing, and it sounds like the crackling sounds like. Putting on a vinyl. This is kind of quite ASMR-y. It is, yeah. She, the sounds throughout that are kind of the beat. Maybe this is the microphone you're talking about. It sounds mm. like someone tapping a microphone. I, I think that's when we think of it like that sound. It probably is that sound. And there's also her. She's very breathy. Breathy. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's very ASMR. There was a really good quote by a, a music critic. His surname was Craig. I didn't get his first name. And he said it best represents the album's sense of heavy-lidded post-coital hibernation. Part of this song sounds like the fucking mid-coital. <laughs> <laughs> and also, there's a lot of semen references on this album. I think there's just a lot about the sex in general. Train of Pearls. This is probably... Shot precisely. Yeah, and there's also... He slides inside me or some shit no, like that. but you know how... Was it all neon-like on Homogenic? That was quite... Over this a lot of the songs are suggestive. I would say this is the song that is the most explicit. Mm. At some points, there's not. It's not even like innuendo. She's just describing. I think it sex. was a lot more. She said she edited about ninety percent of the lyrics out. Really? Because I think it was even more. And. Yeah. I I really liked it though. This song it it's sort of so what about like sex? I thought it was also about just kind of like intimacy and like a deep trust for another person. Yeah. And I liked it. It was it's a nice song, yeah. It's and I like relaxing. how it... It feels quite personal. And I find on this album, she does quite a hard... Well, not hardcore, but quite, like, rhythmic, like, hidden place. And then she goes for something more quiet and understated. And then she goes back to the... Ooh. The vibe of the album seems to the majority that she's quite content in her new relationship. And is just writing about that. Yeah. Or in her family life. Yeah. Because I think... 
that was why she wanted to write something outside of what she was making the film because the film i haven't seen it but apparently it's quite an attempts role for her i think i've read the plot on wikipedia yeah and I, it gets quite dark mm. but yeah. this is it's a nice album there's not really any like on homogenic i guess there are a couple like five years or whatever where she's like a bit bitter and unhappy i think there's one song that's quite dark on well, this album, album. Mm-hmm. well we'll get to that when we get to that yeah so Frosty. No. <laughs> <laughs> Frosty is instrumental. That's Finn's little joke. Can I have one more um, one more quote about yeah. Cocoon? I like, she said, to inhale a beard loaded with courage. I thought you were going to say curry then. <laughs> I think that's so yeah. cute. Yeah. She's just like... <laughs> it must be nice for her partner to have heard that. It must have been nice for her partner to have her inhale his beard. <laughs> <laughs> Track well, three, it's not up to you. I love this one. Uh, it grew. It was a grower for me. It was also a grower for me, grower not a shower. But it, it was what I look forward to it when I would listen to yeah. the album again. It's a good song. I the opening is quite squelchy. Sounds squelchy. It feels like she's in a marsh. Yeah, I like. <laughs> what did I? I really like the beat drop on this one into the chorus. Wait, do, I have that too. Yeah, was it a harp? It sounded like a harp. It's a clavichord, I think. What is that? It's. Do you know like harpsichord? Yeah. Harpsichord. It didn't so, sound like a harpsichord. Well, no, but. It's a harpsichord like a harp. No, so it's like a keyboard instrument. So before the piano, the piano was called the piano forte. I know that. Yeah, because before that, you couldn't increase the volume. Yeah. So there was a harpsichord and there was also a clavichord. It's like an old fashioned keyboard instrument. It sounds like a harp. But it does sound like a harp. Well, pianos sometimes are put in the string sections. Um, I thought it was really catchy as well. It's not up to I think you. That sort of goes through my head quite a lot throughout the day recently. I like it. It Actually, I would say this one only really clicked with me on my third listen, which was about an hour ago. <laughs> I, It's the one probably the, I most remember about this album, I think. That's really interesting. Mm. And I just thought it was... What would you think this song is about? I think it's about anxiety and having like mm. a stressful day. Like she says, it's not up to you. To me, that she's talking about everything that happens in her life that's out of her control. I thought it was more positive. Like, this, the same theme, but she's trying... The sort of idea of trying to live, like, a perfect, healthy life. She talks about you have to have six glasses of water a day. <laughs> yeah, I really, and she should get how, one of those water bottles that tells you when <laughs> to drink throughout the day. But if she's just going, everything will be okay. You don't have to live this picture-perfect Yeah, I guess life. it doesn't seem like a... It seems more positive. Like she's made peace with stuff yeah it's not up to you just life's gonna lead you where it goes i take it as actually just like liberate yourself from all those pressures good for her it's it's a good song this has again has a great chorus Mm. one of the one of the best of all time on this album (laughs) Okay. okay and i thought the ending she does this quite a lot actually when the lyrics stop she has like an extra 30 seconds of like just a, a instrumental. Yeah, it seems like an, an epilogue, almost. And sometimes I feel she could maybe an cut it out. outro. Yeah. Because they're quite long sometimes. Okay. Track four. Undo. Undo. Again, it seems like quite an upbeat song followed by a more low-key one. Well, see, I thought this one, this one sounded quite similar to It's Not Up To You. It, they do sound similar. They go together well. Her voice sounds really good on this one. Mm. 
um, it, it, similar sort of quiet electronic production to the last couple of songs. Yeah. It's nice. The Near the end, there's some lovely strings sort of swelling mm. and there's like nice choral sounding backing vocals. Yeah. I put it got better as the song went on. I agree. But this, the build-up was worth it, I think. This, again, was a grower. Didn't grow as much as It's Not Up To You. And I, I think it was a maybe a little bit long. It was a, I think it's over five minutes. The first four songs on this... It's not until Frosty where you get one that's I less think this than is three minutes. the longest album we've covered yet. Mm, it's just under an hour. But I actually don't think it felt the longest. Because I, I think it flowed quite nicely, for the most part. Yeah, I guess the songs are... There's not one that really sticks out like a sore thumb. No. That's just completely disrupts the whole flow of it. It's cohesive. Yeah. Uh, I liked, I don't know if this was purposeful, like intertextuality, but at the end you said, oh, I unravel. I felt like um, you could pair the songs together, maybe, lyrically. To me, this one, um, subject wise, I kind of, it seemed like it was similar subject matter to the previous song. I thought there was more like a sexual element to this one. Oh, see, I didn't get that at all. Wait, what? Read the lyrics. Let me look at the lyrics. Okay, lean into it. Unfold in a generous I think, way. I think it lyrically. Share me. It could be sexual, but it could also be similar to. It's oh, to oh you. now I'm reading them again. I'm like, oh, actually, no, this is sexual, but I didn't get that. I was just like. <laughs> I always, <laughs> I always give them a once over to sort of see what she's reading. Really oh no, I've read the about. lyrics. Should we? Should we move on? This is Pagan Poetry. Track Thinker. I really like this one. Is that a xylophone at the start? I think it was a xylophone. Or maybe a harp. Wait, let me... Oh, you need to play I'm it. I'm going to play it. I think it's the harp. Oh, anyway, I really like this song. And that... Oh, it's so good. It kind of is... It's probably maybe the most catchy on the album. It is. It was, I think, the biggest song from it. In terms of singles. I can kind of see that. Yeah. My issue... Well, it's not my issue with the song, but this was the one song I knew from this album before, and I had listened to it a lot before, so I feel less impressed by it, I guess, when I was listening to the album through as a whole. Oh, it was so completely fresh So I think that's a problem for me. for me. I just really like... I felt like maybe... Kind of like what you were saying earlier with microbeats or whatever, I don't there's, this album feels like it has a lot of moving parts, but they all come together it does, really it feels well. It like a machine. Yeah. Almost like in a factory. What do you think it was about? It's just really pleasant. Uh, okay. What have I got here? I... So, I thought maybe about an affair. Like a secret passion for a, a man who is oh. taken. Because she goes like... I Some of the lyrics I thought could be about clandestine little messages. Like when she goes, pagan poetry. Like yeah. Morse coding signals. Mm. A secret code carved. Mm. And then later, she goes like, I love him, I love him, I love him. And then it's like, she loves him, she loves him, she loves him. So I, th I, that was one interpretation that I thought maybe. I didn't see it as an affair, but I saw it as sort of repressed sexuality and how she has this inner conflict because she loves him, but she wants she to... She loves him! She doesn't want to commit. Him. And I felt yeah. like the whole pagan put the title... Could sort of be referencing just sort of witchcraft and how women have. Well, like she's casting a spell. Well, no, but how women with her sensuality. How they would think in ye olden times, a woman who has like a liberated sexuality would have been seen as a witch. That is true. The or pagan, something pagan like mystical. Or the lyrics on this song 
are really the darkest pit in me. Yeah, it's and then she talks about like swirling black lily is totally right. She talks a lot about a blueprint as well. I I really love. I think this song has my favorite lyrics of the album. Did she talk about a blueprint? But uh, they're all very abstract. Yeah, a blueprint is a pleasure in me. It's I. It is a very well made song. It's really good. I like this one a lot. Mm. It's it's a very Björk, probably the most Björk there's maybe a, on the album. There's a bit where it's like, I think it maybe is here. I love him, I love him. It's, oh, it's so good. And, it's and so, then it starts building up again. One of, yeah, something else I've written and one of my favourite things about this song is it doesn't just find one thing that works and stick to it. It it keeps changing and evolving and it has so many different levels. It, it keeps you hooked. Yeah. It's like on Drag Race when they mm. critique like people's performance and they're like, you got to have levels. It was too one night. <laughs> <laughs> poetry has levels. I'm not getting into Drag Race. No, but do you know what I mean? But like uneven. you can, can kind of apply that to anything, mm. you know, I guess. I think and Michelle compared, was right. compared to maybe Hidden Place... Which is probably the most similar sounding so far. Yeah. Pagan poetry change like it. It does a motif for a bit and then it changes and then it might bring back a motif and it's like you said it's constantly evolving, which I think makes it a better listening experience and makes you want to sit and listen to it for five minutes. This is my favorite song so far. On the album, should we anything else say about pagan poetry? I think you know we pretty much summed it up quite well. Oh, the next one's Frosty, which I didn't even think we were going to include, to be oh, honest. Oh, no, I included Frosty because I actually liked it. I liked this more than well, Undo. It, it's basic, Really? Yeah, I liked it. Well, it's it basically so a continuation of the music from Pagan Poetry. It's literally it's the same bit. sampled. I was surprised. Why didn't you just leave it on the end of Pagan Poetry? Should we just say what Frosty is? For the... Well, it's just like a musical interview. It, it's like an interview on the maybe album. Maybe play a It's only... Maybe play a bit. Here we go. It doesn't sound the same. It, no, it is. It's similar. It's, it's parts of Hayden poetry just played. But it's else. played differently enough that it feels different. It feels similar. Mm-hmm. Like it fits well, but it's pagan poetry is a lot bigger. I think it's quite well placed in the album as a whole as well because pagan poetry is quite an intense song, and it gives you a, maybe a bit of a breather before you go into. Another quite intense song. Frosty is a minute 41 seconds. It's just, is it just bells? It sounds like a xylophone or a glockenstrom. Oh, I can hear that. Yeah, I thought it was just bells. I, I don't know what makes, what they it's, it's, it's really pretty. Mm, it's, it's yeah. very Christmassy too. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say how you don't see this album as wintry with Frosty. Well, I mean, not this, the name. This may be an aurora. But the sound certainly feels And maybe Pagan Poetry. Wintry. Yeah, okay, I can see it, whatever. Or Hidden Place, almost. I can envision her like on a mountain going to some sort of cave. So the next song then. Track seven. Imagine, aurora. Imagine at the end if aurora. I said my favourite song. Aurora. If I said my favourite song was Frosty. <laughs> but I think Frosty's good. I don't think it's the I, there, best song on the album. Yeah, but there are several I like that I like less than Frosty. Okay, we'll get into them. We'll, we'll go on to Aurora now. I like Aurora, though. It didn't hit me that hard on the first listen, but it's, it, again, I think a lot of her music is growers. Like sure. every, my, pretty much all of the albums we've covered I've liked more with each consecutive listen. Yeah, I think a couple of the songs immediately take you, but I think... And that is common with a lot of music that I listen to. It takes a while. I, to get yeah, into I kind it. of feel like that about all music. 
I, know, I rarely like I things think, lo- like a lot on first listen. I think artists appreciate it if you take the time to listen to it a couple of times. But should we play a bit of Aurora? We're playing a Aurora. bit of Aurora. <laughs> you know, well, actually, I do really like this one. Bit, she goes like, Adamante. It's just gibberish. I, I know, kept, I looked I it kept, up. I kept searching for the lyrics and I'm like, none of the lyrics feature this part. So it was some Italian, you know, thing. Um, the beginning sounds like she's stepping in snow. There's a bit when... not. Oh, well, like mm-hmm. the soft sort of crunching yeah, snow sound. Yeah. yeah, I can hear that. Uh, uh, it's, there's a lot of... I mean, I guess from the word Aurora, there's a lot of like Scandinavian natural imagery. She talks about like glacier and yeah, mountain glacier, and yeah. snow. Is Iceland a part of Scandinavia? I would assume so. But it's nowhere I, near it. I don't know. It's in, in one of the, the pre- in the previous album, she was like how on Hunter. She said, "How how Scandinavian of me." I'm I'm gonna search a lot. Maybe this is like asking, is Ireland oh, British? Oh, so there are only three Scandinavian countries. Denmark, Sweden and Norway, but culturally there are six. Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Finland and, and the Faroe Islands. Greenland is Denmark, isn't it? Oh, I think that's the Nordic country, so it's Nordic, but I don't know if it's Scandinavian. I think this is probably similar to like Great Britain and British Isles and the UK all being different things. I think it's different. That's like but it's a, a problem of empire and But if you said colonisation, then kind of that is the same thing. I don't think it is colonisation. I think some Scandinavian people found it. Oh, what, like the Columbus Vikings, found America? The, no, but the Vikings found Iceland like and I England don't think found it was inhabited. Ireland. England did. No, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting into this. Um, again, also... I saw some semen references. That seems to be what I'm looking oh, what? out for. On my knees, fill my mouth with snow. Yeah. Um, it seems. Oh my god. It seems quite devotional, and I guess if you. Yes, that's what I wrote. I didn't think it was about semen, like you think everything I, is no, about. No, no, but I think if you take the sex, I thought it was about like it, prayer. It seems like a respect of nature, perhaps. I thought it was about her praying to the Northern Lights, also known I, as the Aurora. I can imagine it playing whilst you. Go out and look at She the says, I'm kneeling in the snow. She says, Goddess Sparkle. So mm. that's, in my mind, that's what it's about. But there are also parts of it are kind of sexy, like sexual sounding. Mm. Well, I think it's sort of like, you know, how on Homogenic she said the album's about Iceland, but also a lot of the lyrics were about relationships. I think yeah, it's that's... the same thing. Yeah. Which is why I think they're sibling albums. Um, anything else? I, I like it. Do you like Aurora? I like it, yeah. Um, I think it fits really well here after Frosty. I think it fits the album. Yeah. Uh, Aurora. Okay. Have you ever seen the Northern Lights? I haven't. No, I haven't seen it. I've right. where. People go to Finland on holiday. I'd like to. I'd like, I've never been to Scandinavia. No, I've never. I mean, I'm I'm not that well travelled. No. So the next. So this is song. Eight. Eight. We're already on eight. And echo a stain with no yeah. comma. After Echo. An Echo a Stone. Hmm. Maybe it's an Echo A Stone. So the like lyrics the of this are actually based on a one act play called Crave by Sarah Kane. And the reason I say this is because There aren't many lyrics. The play from... is 
quite a four minute song. The play is quite dark, okay, and it features these themes, not in a chronological order. Rape, incest, paedophilia, anorexia, drugs, mental instability, murder and suicide. I didn't like this song. I didn't. It felt like a really dark turn and It was really it's very eerie sounding. And quite it's uncomfortable. Quite creepy. Especially when you know that Well, you... I I didn't know that, but my I mean, for me, writing about what I thought of this mm. with, without knowing that at all, I thought it sounded very eerie. Is it about mourning someone? Mm. Ghostly? It had ghostly vibes? I think it's a, an, a well-made song. I don't see its place on this album very well. Even if she was... Get these lyrics up. See, listen to that. That's the opening. Creepy as shit. Even if she was inhabiting the characters of the play... This could play in one of those TikTok videos about the back rooms. But what it's the like, back room? It's like <laughs> so. It's like kind of. It's kind of like a creepy pasta thing, where it, the back rooms are like if you like clip out. Oh, someone's hoovering. Someone's hoovering. If you like clip out of the universe, you end up in the back. Do you know what liminal spaces are? Yeah. It's like an eternal liminal space, and then people have built up this whole like mythology around it. Oh, okay. So do you? Sorry, I'm just looking at the lyrics for this song. Do you think? Sort of this little bit and this bit are in reference to like unconsensual, unconsensual well, sex. That, then that's what it sounded like, and because that makes it even more uncomfortable. I think if you don't, with the lyrics what I'm talking about are, "Don't say no to me," mm. "You can't say no to me," "Denied," and I think if you don't know she's inhabiting a character, then it's actually quite uncomfortable, and it makes you think that maybe something's going on or something happened to her. I, don't I mean, know. I, I don't know I if she like identifies it. with that. I did not like this one. It no. made me uncomfortable. And I, I agree that I don't think it fit. Like, up to this point, I think all the other songs have fit together very well on this album. And mm. I think this was a sharp left turn. Yeah. Yeah, and the song after this what, doesn't, so doesn't continue this either. So it feels like, why are you putting this here? Okay. In the middle? Why not at the end if I you mean, want to include yeah. it? Okay, the next one then. Sun in my mouth. I didn't like this one either. Uh, I thought her vocals were very good on this one. So lyrically, it's not original. It's a fully a poem by E. E. Cummings called "I Will Wade Out," and. I looked up the poem, so she's basically just adapted the poem. Um, Set it to music. I, thought, I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't have guessed that. The lyrics sound like they could be from her. It Yeah, it doesn't feel out of place. Uh, I think sonically... Nice. Na- sort of natural imagery and sexually suggestive lyrics. Yeah, I think sonically it's quite enjoyable to listen to. Uh, I th- I it think... didn't bowl me over. No, I think I... My biggest problem with it is it sounds very similar to earlier songs. Yeah, and it's not like long either, and it doesn't... Perhaps because it's not her own lyrics, it means that she can't really develop it as much. I did write vocals are lovely. The The instrumentation is like soft and twinkly with some strings. Oh yeah, she does a lot of tremolo with the strings on Love it. That. It's when you go like... Like, like when things are tense. I thought it was okay. It was fine. We really, I guess we really don't have much to say about this one. No. Okay, the next one. 
Heirloom. I love heirloom. I knew you were going to say that because I saw you had liked it on Spotify. Did you? How? Because <laughs> I saw you, had lis- you were listening to it. Oh. Uh, do you like it? And I saw you had added it to your... I was looking at your one song a day playlist and I saw you had added it and I thought, oh, I he clearly liked it. This was the one on first listen that I think stood out to me the most. Really? I think it's the, the sort of odd one out of the out, apart from an Echo Estate. And maybe that's what I like, because I feel like before this, the last three or four songs were kind of similar vibes. And this, mm. to me, was a hard left turn. It it really sounds, lyrically and sonically, it's completely different. It's it's about more like it's about, familial, yeah. platonic love. And it has a samba beat. And... The lyrics kind of tell this story where she says, I have... It's, she repeats a, a few times the same bit about My how she has. And son baked for me. She has a re- Whenever she loses her voice, she has a recurring dream, dream. where um, her mother and son dream. like do a trapeze act in the sky over her sleeping body, and pour hot oil into her wide open throat. Can we sit, play the part when she's? Says, I have a re- Mother and son baked for me. She just says Can that I a lot. I love the bit where she goes like. What was it? Is it the the five years on the last album or immature? It was one of them. The the beat sounded similar or the production. I like it. It it's quite like a comforting song. It's about I guess like. You know, your family taking care of you and you taking care of them. Yeah, it's a nice song. Uh, it, it just feels a little out of place on the album when you listen through it, especially because it's song 10, so you've... Everything's... I don't agree. I think it gives some much-needed energy that had been lacking for a few songs, and it, it re-grabs your <gasps> but it's interest. But it's not that upbeat. No, it's not that upbeat, but it's it's different. Again, it's another like lo-fi, more relaxing... But it has, it has that pulsing, like... Yeah. Which the others didn't have. So it's got a beat. Um, yeah, I've put, I love the bouncy opening. I love the strings when they come in, and then that you've got that juxtaposition. Uh, it's great. I like it. And I think this is what had maybe not had been missing, but I like when she does like sort of fun, silly lyrics. Like on the first time, actually, we talk about. Let's sneak cut off this island. <laughs> Let's steal a boat. <laughs> jump off the roof. It, it actually seems like it would fit in well on debut. I yeah, I can see that. It sort and of I, reminds I just like you it's of goofy energy, of more youthful Bjork, but also heartfelt. Not yeah. that she's old here, but it's it's different vibes to the rest of the album, which seems to be more about you know a sexual relationship. Yeah, I I I do like it. Um. Should we move on? We can move on. Okay, so 11th song, Harm of Will. Uh, yeah, I I'm, didn't like this I'm one also... either. <laughs> These are the, when I was like, there are a few that I don't like, it was the previous two and this one. Not the previous two, well, it was. So, an Echo of Stain. It was Son an Echo of Stain, mouth. Son of My Mouth, and Harm I of Will. I think they're probably the most underwhelming songs. Yeah. This one is probably the most, I mean, an Echo of Stain was, like, creepy, but this one just feels like a downer to me. It it tells a, a nice little story. Does it? The lyrics were also abstract. I couldn't really get what they were I about. I think she wrote it with someone called Harmony Corinne. 
it's quite fragile how she sings it. I couldn't it's really make fair. sense of what actually happened. What is a? It opens with if there's a troubadour washing, it is he, and I don't know what a troubadour is. Uh, so it's like a historical, um, someone who would play, sort of like a bard. Someone who would what's play. What's he washing? Is it? So it was a, a composer and performer of old Occitan lyric poetry during the High Middle Ages, so from 1100 to 1350. So sort of like a, a musician, um, and they would perform. They would perform songs about chivalry and knights and maidens and and adventure. You know, they would sing maybe a song about a knight going to save a princess, sort of like Shrek. Okay, this one again gets kind of. Uh fairly explicitly sexual so that was interesting i don't know this one didn't really do much for me i think it's underwhelming and i think the album's long enough sorry not long enough long enough that it's not really needed i don't it was almost five minutes long what would you say it's about i wrote i think it's about quiet yearning maybe like i couldn't tell you Hang on, let me just read through the lyrics. This is the lyrics to this are like a poem that I would have studied for GCSE English and hated. The lyrics it does feel like something from the Middle Ages, but just in modern English. I just didn't English. find it very gripping. Just the the lyrics and the presentation of the song. I don't even know. It's if very she's slow inserting and herself in it. It feels like another of her stories that she writes. Maybe, and and that's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It just just it just didn't speak to me. This one, I I didn't really see the need for it, and I would probably skip it, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. It's not that long though, so. Oh, you say that it's four minutes thirty six. Is it? Yeah. It feels like a two minute one. Yeah, that's because we zoned out for half the song. Yeah. Which which song did you zone out on? It was Echo of Stain, and then I I came to halfway through Sun in My Mouth. Um, okay. Final track, Unison. <laughs> this one was so good. I love Unison. Really? You didn't like Unison! Hang Unison on, okay. is so good! Hang on, play a bit, I need to remind myself. <laughs> well, it's too hard to get going. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your dancing like a snake. That's um, not a snake. That's I'm a tree. What would be your snake song? Let's make this. That's right. Is my snake song. But oh, what? Album, my, which song would I dance to? You need to, to have a snake an, song for. Well, it has to be a snake. It can't be a different animal. Well, would you dance as a particular animal for these songs? Yeah, I would dance to Unison like a tree. <laughs> Don't That's you describe your pants like a tree. Branching out. Your, your snake. Your I'm snake a family dance like a giant tree branching out to the to sky. A tree dance. Yeah, but the snake one is more like, and this one's more like. <laughs> because this isn't a video this isn't podcast. This going to play because in, it's an audio medium. No, in the in the tree dance, Dan raises his arms. <laughs> I really love the lyric. I thrive best hermit style with a beard and a pipe I, and a parrot on each side. I also wrote that. I just really liked, I think this song tells a really beautiful story mm. and I, I think it's really it's a really lovely, sweet message. And it, it's quite long. It's six minutes, 47 seconds, but it doesn't feel long to me. To me! Artists like to have long closes, like 
Lord's Oceanic Lucy Dacus, Night Shift. I've never listened to Lucy Posing Dacus. for Cars, Japanese Breakfast. Yeah. I thought this song was about compromise. Yeah. Well, she literally says, and I think she says compromise. For a relationship. And I think she's talked about compromise in a relationship a lot before. So I think, was it Immature on the last one? Where she's quite... I think maybe... Mean towards herself? Where she's... What? Well, she's basically saying... Yeah, she gave too much of herself away and thought that someone else would complete her. But this one, it seems that she's compromising, but it's a more positive outlook about it. Yeah, it's a really beautiful, lovely song about you know compromising and coming together and uniting with your partner. It, and this one, again, it starts quiet and slow and it builds and it builds. Mm. It starts with just her voice and one instrument, which I think is a harp. And then so on. It's great. I, I like this song. Unite! It's, and it's really catchy. What was the last, the closure of the last album Unite. was All Is Full Of Love. Do you think it's better than that? Yes. Do you think it's better than Headphones? Yes. Do you think it's better than Anchor? Actually, yeah, I would say this is better than Anchor Song as well. This is my favourite Biat closer so far. And this will be the last episode. What's your, fa- your favourite opener? Probably Actually, Hunter. I can... Mm, wait, actually, probably same. Probably same. Hidden Place, I think, is I a think is a close second. What and then? Army. Of... I don't actually like Human Behavior anymore. I've gone off it. I think it's very much of its time. Yeah, I don't think it really stands up in her discography. I think it's good on debut. Yeah, I'd agree. Um. So. That was Vespertine. Should we talk about the cover? Let's talk about the cover. Is it her on a beach? Uh, I don't know, but it is the dress. The swan dress? I wanted to ask. It's the dress. Do you want to give some background on that for anyone who doesn't know? Well, when... So Björk, when she made the film, the soundtrack, one of the songs got nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. That's the film Dancer in the Dark. Yeah, and she... I don't know, I haven't listened to the album. <laughs> but she went and, as people do, performed at the Oscars wearing this swan dress uh, that laid a golden egg on the... Oh, it, I didn't know it laid an egg. Oh, have you... Look up the golden egg. She laid an egg on the red carpet. It was a whole performance. Uh... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it's not gold. I always thought it was gold. I didn't realise how short it was. I think she's kind of hoisting it up there. Do you like I this, the swan dress? I like the swan dress. It's fine. I, th- I think it's like, of its time. Who who designed the swan dress? Just so we can give. Uh, Mar- Marjan P- Pioski. Well, yeah, we don't know how to pronounce this name. If you look up the swan dress, you can find this. Mar- Marjan Pioski. Björk made an ostrich egg bag and laid uh, bags and laid them on the carpet. That's great. So she's wearing that dress. It looks. And I'm to pretty me, sure she wore it. I think it looks like she's laying on a pebble beach. And I like the uh, swan she, no, maybe, motif. It's, it doesn't. Over. Maybe it's a wall because the stones look too like evenly spaced. Sorry, that was my notification. And I thought because and there's well, also a, a an a, the album is in black, covers in black and white, and there's also hmm. superimposed on top of her is a sort of faint white Gore. drawing of a, yeah. a swan and the words vespertine with feathers in like a stylized form. Oh, I didn't realise. 
I didn't realise the title was on there. Um, it's a, it's a I right thought cover. Swans, the imagery, you know, romantic. And also the leader in the swan. I would rank this... Oh, actually, do I like this more than the homogenic cover? It Probably homogenic slightly above, and this would be my second favourite. I think I prefer post and homogenic to this. I think it's I think better than JD. The post cover is kind of ugly. Do you? I like the colours. I think, you know, it's, it's a good cover. <laughs> the little swan head looks like... Well, that's the thing. The, the swan s- around her neck, it looks like a little stuffed animal. The swan dress does look like a cuddly toy with some feathers on it round yeah. her neck. It's like Fisher Press, Fisher Price dress yeah. collection. You know how people are like, this collection's inspired by Jelly swans. Jelly cat. <laughs> <laughs> she literally comes out in a fucking swan. Yeah. I, you know, the cover's fine. At the end of the day, the cover doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, but also it's the visual thing that's going to be most associated with the album from now until the end of time. Do you think maybe she did it because there was so much talk about this one dress, it's going to be more commercial? Did the album come out after the this one dress yeah. incident? Maybe. Well, I think that the one dress was quite a big moment, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was got huge. a lot of attention. Even to this day, people talk maybe about it. Maybe she just thought she'd capitalise on that. Oh, the one dress was... I didn't know it was why it got caused a media frenzy and was widely criticised. I didn't know that. Because people were like, what? People thought oh, it I was thought, fancy dress. I thought it got so much attention because they were like, Slay, this is so iconic. What a fashion no, moment. I, th- I think the gay community now today say that. But and think... that's that's the culture in which I have <laughs> been introduced to it. But I think people thought, you know, how the Oscars were always thought to be this really fancy event. And then she turned up and they thought she was wearing fancy dress or something. There's an actual article just for this one dress. <laughs> okay, um, now well, now we have to talk about what was your favourite song, song and your least favourite oh, song. Okay, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. I think I'm... Mm, I could get it down to three or four. Do you not have one favourite? You, you no, 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 I'm going to get it down to three or four and then I'm going to pick one. So my top four would be Cocoon... Pagan Poetry, uh, Heirloom, Don't say and Unison. Yeah. And I, oh, I, Cocoon would be fourth, and but it would be between the other three. Pagan Poetry, Heirloom, and Unison are so good. Uh, oh, oh, I actually don't know. You go first, I'm still thinking. Well, mine was going to be Pagan Poetry up until a couple of days ago, and I decided it's going to be, it's not up to you. That's so interesting. That's... I thought your top picks would be my top picks. I was like, none of the others are even close. I also like Heirloom. Uh, and I also love Pagan Poetry. It's not up to you. I just, I don't know. The it's chorus has been stuck in my head. And I think it's the one that I've probably streamed the most on this album so far. I think I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to say my favourite is Heirloom. Yeah, go with your gut. I really like Heirloom. Don't pick the one that you think you should pick. Heirloom is the one that stood out to me from the beginning. But I'm just going to say it's really close. The others (laughs) I like a lot too. And that's Pagan Poetry in Unison. And also Cocoon. What's your least favourite? Probably Harm Harm of Will. No, probably An Echo of Stain. Yeah, I think they're my... An Echo of Stain I just don't think deserves a place on the album. Oh, and not doesn't it's still a good song and it's well made and i think it would work but on a different album 
I think Harm of Will's fine. It's just no, a bit that's boring. why I would put Harm of Will above. So, would you say that uh, Heirloom is better? What was your favourite last week? Pluto. Pluto. Um, would it be Pluto? I think my favourite song from this album is Heirloom, but my favourite Bjork song is Pagan Poetry, and I won't elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> yeah. I think that works. My favourite Bjork song... I think it's still going to be Bachelorette. Oh, Bachelorette is so good. It's Bachelorette not... is now my favourite from Homogenic is growing really? on me. It's not up to you. It's very good. And again, shout out to Anchor Song. You'll always be my, my first. But Really? Uh, Doesn't you Anchor Song over the last four albums is your favourite song? No, no, no. I'm saying that I it's still one of my favourites. Okay. And I'm going to shout that out to it good. every week. But Bachelorette is, I think, my favourite Beatles song of all time. Okay. What's your favourite album or, or album rankings? I don't know. See, before the start of this episode, I would have said Vespertine wasn't, but actually after talking through all the songs... No, it still isn't. Just just because a, a quarter of the album I don't particularly care for, whereas Homogenic, I liked all of them. So I'd still say Homogenic. I think for me, Vespertine is my favourite. I think mine still go in ascending order. Really? But are you homo- going to break from that pattern or is it just going to be every week? I, I think no, this I will is my break. I think no, this I, is my favourite. I think I will break from it. My but ranking... I think a lot of critics agree in that oh, her album... I think critics sometimes are on a load of shit. No, they are a lot of the time, but the general view is that her album's got better for the first four. Yeah. my And I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that Homogenic is a better album than Vespertine. I'm just saying, for me... For me, personally, homogenic, I connected with more. Yeah. I I just found Vespertine And, and that's, to again, be... to say about the songs of Vespertine, I'm not saying any of them are bad. They just went for me. I just thought Vespertine was a nicer album listening experience. To listen to the whole album. So what is it? We've got Medulla, Volta, Biophilia, Bonnicura. Yeah. Utopia. Utopia. Do you say Utopia? No, I don't and Fossera. And Fossera. Her latest one. She she does do a lot of live stuff and yeah, records it. Which I haven't been listening to. But live stuff is usually... She's actually got a live album for all four albums. We should probably wrap up. Yeah. So next um, week we're going to look at Medulla. I don't know how to pronounce it, but we'll discuss it next week. I think it is pronounced Medulla. See, I was it. Medulla. It will be our halfway episode. Well, much to think about. Um... So thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. Um, I hope this. I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, bye. Yeah, good. Good Bjork. Good Bjork. Welcome to Bjork Club. It's a podcast and a club where we talk of Bjork songs, her eras, her clothes, and her gongs. Welcome to. Bjork Club. <laughs>